Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today I'll be interviewing Jason Pike. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify. So, Jason, how would you describe life growing up as a kid for you? What was that like? Oh, for the most part, it was fun. We, we stayed outdoors. Uh, we threw, uh, you know, rocks at cars, uh, rocks at buildings, uh, got in trouble a little bit and just had a little gang of boys. And uh, right outside of Atlanta, Georgia, Norcross, Georgia, it was, it was a whole lot of fun overall. And was there anyone who was in the military in your family? My father was in the military for four years. My book is dedicated to my father. He was a rogue character. Yes. Um, he, he didn't really like the military. It was just an option to get out of white trash poverty that he grew up in. And he, uh, he looked at in the military as folks who can't get into college. But uh, yeah, he, and he won a, uh, a very high medal in the Navy. Yes. And did you have, well, do you have any siblings? I have an older brother whose name is after my father, Dennis, but we call him Denny. And then I have a younger sister that's Beth Ann. Yes, I'm the middle child. Got you. And you, did you always want to go into the military as a kid? No, I did not. Um, I did sign up at the age of 17. But really, I, I was thinking I, I could maybe I could go to college, but I was identified as a problem learner, a slow learner by professionals uh, at the age of seven. And also, even after I got a college degree, um, I uh, probably got worse SAT scores than all of your viewers out there. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. And, and the subject that I failed was English and writing. And but, you know, I'm an author now, but go figure that one out. So hearing such a thing at seven, eight years old, did that affect your confidence in any way? Yes, it kind of reduced my confidence. I didn't walk around with a, you know, the options were were, were limited. That was known. There was not a whole high, there was not a lot of ex, high expectations for me. Um, and pretty much uh, looking at just, you know, possibly a menial job and not really, uh, you know, contributing much to society. That's pretty much what I thought. At the time when I was a kid, I just thought, well, I must be different. And all my other friends go to the second grade and I got to stay in the first grade, find more friends. And did you actually go into the military uh, after completing uh, high school or did you go straight to college? So I was in the I went I signed up in, in the reserves in the 11th grade because I was a year older than most. It was the National Guard, the South Carolina National Guard. I joined up, I rose my right hand. I, I figured that was probably going to be what I'm going to be into and uh, and then probably just have a menial job after high school. Um, but no, I was age 17 when I joined up and. I, I, to me, it was just an option. I mean, I didn't, there's a good question out there. If, if I have such, which I do, I, I guarantee you, I got some really bad SAT scores. 
how in the my question is how in the world did I even pass the army entrance test? But it it was the South Carolina National Guard. Maybe they just maybe they just you know I don't know. I, that's a good question. But yeah, age seventeen. Seventeen, you joined, and where was your first duty station? Well, my first duty station was in the local area around South Carolina. It was called Inman, South Carolina. I grew up in a city called uh, it's true, it's Fingerville, South Carolina. That's the closest town to where I was at in Spartanburg County, South Carolina. And so uh, it was there uh, one weekend a month. We were weekend warriors. And we just, you know, two weeks a year, one weekend a month. And it was there. Uh, my first, when you said my first duty station, I guess my first basic training of hells on wheels would be in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And I went to basic training or boot camp, uh, you know, in between the 11th and 12th grade years of high school. And that was in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Um, almost nearly got kicked out uh, of the, in that first stage because I couldn't, I just, I just couldn't drink the water coming out of that damn fire hose. It was too fast. And, uh, <laughs> and so I was sort of like, I was, I was a slow learner, like I told you. And the, and, and the, it, the drill sergeants are trained to pick up on, uh, you know, uh, weaknesses and maybe deviant or different behaviors. And I was displaying all the signs of that, <laughs> unfortunately. And uh, so, uh, well, um, so what he did was he got the worst privates and I was a private. That's the lowest rank in the army uh and he sent me and another guy to a place called a it's a criminal correctional facility it's for criminals but mm, he had a drug deal there going on where he can send his bad privates over there that just ain't getting it and like i was i wasn't getting it i mean it was minor infractions like boost you know boot laces or shaving or my helmet's not fit right and i'm you know just little things that just it, they were consistent minor infractions, but they they just kept on coming. So they said, well, Private Pike, I'm going to send your ass to CCF. It's a criminal correctional facility. And, uh, and when I went over there, it, it was a different level of hell than I'd already been in. It was a worse form of hell. Um, yeah, I got it <laughs> described in there. What We made big rocks into small rocks. We climbed around on these obstacle courses out on the hot rocks. Basically, he's trying to break us. There's a lot of things that happened there that was so fast. I, I, I don't even remember going to the bathroom over there, but uh, I come back to the platoon all bloodied and broken up. And he says he ordered the platoon to go look at us, us, us two sorry soldiers that have torn rags and bloody and everything like that. You go look at those two sorry ass privates because. If you don't do what I say, your ass is going to be next. And um, when I think back on it, he was kind of smart because everybody got scared because <laughs> he said, oh, every, we were the guinea pigs. And <laughs> one guy, he broke. He broke out. He, he decided to leave the military, but I stayed in. But that was sort of a, uh, I guess it would be, be a come to Jesus moment right there. Yeah. And so they just had you all in that place for a period of time and just brought you back hoping to break you so yeah yeah it was it would be another another description would be a scared straight program for uh, for youth i guess yeah exactly got you now now this is interesting now you were diagnosed with osteomyelitis if i pronounce it correctly a bone disease crippling bone disease 
at nine years old, how on earth were you able to deal with the rigors which involve boot camp and just your normal physical activity that you had to go through while being in the military? So I didn't tell the recruiters about my knee. I lied. I lied. I told them, no, I'm, I'm fine. So this was before the internet. This is before they could go and dig into your medical records. And I said, no, I'm good. I'm good. And he said, okay, you're ready. Okay. Um, what I did is um, I, I worked out, I, I built up the muscles around my knee really well, uh, the hamstrings, uh, the thigh muscles, the calf muscles, and I'd, I'd work on weights. And that built up the uh, surrounding, you know, all the ligaments and everything as well. So I worked on it. And uh, but I did lie to them. If I, they wouldn't probably, they wouldn't tell me. They wouldn't. They wouldn't probably let me in if I didn't lie to them. But uh, I, I, so I, I did what I had to do, and uh, and uh, and then I kept working at it. There were times that left knee uh, was about to uh, get. You know, there, there was times that did hurt, especially on long marches. But yeah. then, you know, that's um, I, I was able to keep it in check. And uh, as far as just because you work in the leg muscles, uh, that, that really helps support the knee. Wow! And so I guess you knew that information because you were diagnosed, and the doctors probably told you what some things that you could do, physical therapist. Yeah, they said uh, that you could just pra- you could just work on that. You know, um, it could be some squatting, it could be some building up of the muscle around that. And uh, yeah, I knew to do that, and I knew not to say any word about it as well. And uh, but, uh, that helped me out. There were times it did hurt in the military, uh, long ruck marches and things. But um, yeah, so my my knee dissolved. It completely dissolved at the age of nine. My mother says it was twice. I, I just remember one time. But uh, my left knee is bigger than my right knee. And if you, my right, my left knee is, so I'm the age of 57, but my left knee would be the age of, I guess, 48, 49, if you want to describe something like that. But no, it, it I don't, I don't understand the science, but the, the damn thing grew back. Really? Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it they were putting, so pain and failure came in. Even as a young kid, I just identified with pain and failure as a part of life. Uh, you know, children are more resilient than you give them credit. I mean, if, if they, you know, I, I, they were put, this was like the 1970, in the 70s, they would put these damn needles that would go right into my knee, and they were full of antibiotics to try to cure it. So my, my knee blew up, and then it went down, and then it was all it, it pussified. In other words, it dissolved is what they were explaining and they had to draw pus out of that thing and um so it was a very painful thing but uh uh i was on crutches for a while i, I couldn't place my sports like i used to and I, you know i started you know it, it weakened you down but then uh i kept working and working at it my dad loved sports and he loved football and so i said well i'm just gonna work as best as i can on this thing and uh i did i overcame it so now you you're in the military now uh, when did you decide to go to college because i assume you went to college while you were in the military yeah that i'm not i was not supposed to go to college that's not that was not in the uh the, 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 i've been told many times so it, it's it's and, it, and i'm not knocking the authorities the the school counselors uh the the you know everybody knew that 
this guy, you know, he's not going to make it in college. I was not, I was not college bound, but we did talk about that CCF that going to hell and back uh, criminal correctional facility. I, I sort of had a, a brain cramp, if you will. No, well, after I got out of that uh, facility, I started thinking, you know, if I can, if I can survive all this stuff that I just went through between my junior and senior year of college, you know, I can sit in a dang for 12 hours with uh, air conditioner and I can go to the bathroom anytime I want to and eat pizza and just look at the books and try to get that stuff in my brain. So that was my thinking at that time. I said, if I can do this and I already, I can do that. I can do, I can do about damn anything really. And uh, so uh, that kind of like a brain crap occurred. It was just an individual thing with me. Uh, and I said, I'm going to college, but I don't know. How, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get into college. <laughs> so that was the next problem I had is like uh, the, the SAT scores. And, but there, there, there's a community, there's ways around everything. And uh, a lot of this book is about creativity and ingenuity and, uh, they said, well, you know, you can go to one of these community colleges or junior colleges, uh, you know, well, they'll, they'll take anybody lame, lazy or crazy. It doesn't really matter. And I said, well, I'll, I'll check up on that. Maybe something that, something like that will do LLC, lame, lazy and crazy. And so uh, I got into a junior college. I didn't even have to show my SAT scores or anything. They just said, hey, you, you're, it's OK. You're in. You're in. So uh, I said, all right. Is that is that simple? Yeah. Yeah. And so. Um, even they give me some they give me some scholarships and stuff, <laughs> so uh, so I, I took a low amount of load, I, you know, bite sized pieces, mm -hmm. and then I built up my confidence academically. I mean, walking into the junior college was like I don't know, it'd be like other people walk jumping out of an airplane. I, I would prefer to jump out of a perfectly good airplane like I've done than walk into a college. That's something I was not supposed to go to, but I did it anyway, and it was based on you know going to hell and back. I said, well, I, I gotta. I can go to college. And uh, that's how I went in. And then you go to a junior or a community college, and then you can transfer into places. Now, I was ashamed that I had to go there. I mean, I felt like, you know, less than best, which is a chapter in my book anyway. Less, I was less than best. And so well, but everybody's got to start somewhere. And uh, for me, it was always at the bottom and working up. And you went to a community college and you transferred to uh university, a four-year college. Uh, what was your degree in? Agriculture. So I, I really enjoyed uh, the uh, outside, the farming. I was from a rural area in South Carolina. So I, I enjoyed uh, agriculture. Um, so I went into Clemson University in South Carolina and studied agriculture education. I really enjoyed vocational agriculture and growing things and the plants and the animals and the sciences. I could understand that. Because I was out, <laughs> I was outdoors a lot, and uh, I did work. We worked in peach, my first job at the age of fourteen. That's true. Uh, my Social Security was taken out of me at the age of fourteen at Gaines Pack. So it was. I, I worked in agriculture, and uh, I found it was, uh, you know, something probably to my, uh, you know, my calling possibly because I could, you know, I, I enjoyed it a lot. But at the same time, as you know, I had one foot in the military and I had one foot in agriculture. So you had to do pretty well in um, junior college because Clemson is a really, you know, good university. I made about a 3.5. Wow. Okay, so you did really well. One, one, one student says, 
the only reason you're making a 3.5 is because you're taking a low load in a lot of easy classes. And I said, yeah, that's correct. That's what I'm doing. And so uh, it, was a, and that's, it was a strategy. <laughs> I said, well, and, but it also, I had more money than that guy too, because I had scholarships because I had a 3.5. But, uh, you know, uh, but no, I had a strategy. I, I thought differently. I thought out of the box. I said, let's take some easier classes and let's do a full-time gig. But, you know, let's, uh, you know, and, and get that 3.5 or, or better because that means money and uh, opportunities. And so, yeah, I, I did. I tried to go to Warford College in South Carolina, right next, almost next door to it. That's where my brother and uh, my dad went to, but they wouldn't take me. So I went ahead and went to Clemson. But Warford is a lot a more elite as far as, a you know, a liberal arts college. Yeah. Gotcha. And so your book, uh, A Soldier Against All Odds, when did you write that book? Oh, God, I've had this book on my brain for so many years, but I started writing it in the year uh, 2020, got it published. It's the, not just the book, but it's the audio book, and I am the author, and I am the narrator, and we got it out, oh, I think around January of this year. Um, this book uh, literally damn near killed me, uh, really has, because once you become vulnerable, um, once you see the story, everybody, they say everybody has a story, but how many people are going to put it on paper and put it out to the world and be on it, be, be really honest about it? And I thought, this is, you know, I, I, am I really ready to do this? And uh, I, I broke down and uh, I, I went to the hospital. Um, blood clots in the lungs and the legs, uh, Stone Oak Methodist Hospital. Because of the damn book, at the time they were asking me, are you a smoker? Are you a smoker? I said, no, I'm not a smoker. I said, well, what, what the heck have you been doing? What's going on with your body? And I said, I don't know, man. I've been, I, I, I stopped working out because of the book, and I started stressing a lot. So sitting for long hours and going from being more active to sitting down, I think that was that 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 was it. And uh, but no, we talked about the obituary. We DNR do not resuscitate was there, and. Um, it was and pneumonia was there, so it was it was a combination of a lot of things, and it, we I was in the ICU, the intensive care unit, and uh, it was pretty much known that I was I was heading out, I was going to the other side, I, but I never did because what happened was that blood thinner. I don't my and it surprised the doctors. Now there's always a surprise in life, and there's a in this book there's surprises everywhere. But I reacted well to the uh, heparin blood thinner and to the antibiotics for the pneumonia. And my body, they, 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 when you're in the ICU, they're testing everything. They test, they, they, they know what you eat. They know what you weigh. They know your blood, everything. <laughs> it's like they have it micro, microed out. And so the doctor, they got around and says, well, it sounds like this body is trying to recover on its own. We're just going to hang in there. Let them hang in there. Let the body hang in, keep on doing that stuff. And, I came back for five, three days in the ICU, and then the recovery was two days in the hospital, uh, out of the ICU, and then I come back, and it blew their mind. It's like, what in the world? What the hell just happened? And uh, I mean, the doctors were surprised, and uh, you know, and, and just by me going into the hospital, everyone was surprised because I'm sort of a gym nut. Uh, I'm a gym rat in many ways. I've always been, and but the book was the one. I just started sitting and stressing on the book. And so, uh, well, that's in my testimony. You can read that. But, yeah, that's kind of how that process laid, went out, went through. 
So after you got out of the hospital, you were able to control your stress, and did you start back working out again, or what did you do? Yes, I started back working out again, and I never sat down at a desk. I had a stand-up desk, and I stood up, and I, I was, I'm also on blood thinners, and so, but now my standing, I don't, there's desks that you can stand at, because I, I says I don't want to go die again <laughs> but I mean I could possibly sit down again with because I have blood thinners but I don't want to do it <laughs> I just want to stand up and so that's what I did I stand up at a desk uh-huh. and I worked out a lot too yeah and where can people find your book jasonpike.org jasonpike.org go to go to Amazon you know, Jason Pike, put Amazon, uh, Jason Pike in the browser of Amazon. You'll see it there. It's a blue book. And um, it, uh, and it's, 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 to- if, and, and I, my agenda was to, to, and you could just put a soldier against all odds in your browser and you're going to find it. And you could just look at the reviews. I've got over 87 reviews. Uh, a lot of these reviews are, we're, we're soldiers of mine, supervisors of mine, and they are telling you like it is. <laughs> They're telling you things that, just look at the reviews. <laughs> so, but uh, now go ahead and do that. And then, um, but really, uh, yeah, this is, has been my life. Uh, this has been a, uh, you know, when you go through a point in life where you, you know, you make a cake and you put that frosting over that cake. I felt that I feel I've really put a got a lot of frosting on my life with this book. It's a, it's been a dream come true. And uh, so now what I'm doing is, you know, learning about podcasts and expressing the book because a lot of folks want to hear the stories. There are so many crazy stories in this book. It'll blow your mind. And so uh, it's not a blood and guts type of uh, memoir. It's more of a life. It's a, it's a, in a that we live. It's backstabbings, failures, arrests, all in the military, investigations, all this stuff is, is there. And it's, you know, it's uh, uh, so uh, just, just like you would, you would have a, I mean, I think, Anybody would have a life of stories, but I, I put it down in a very, uh, like a back door, you know, sitting on the porch, just talking or in a restaurant where it's really easy reading or, or listening if you want to do audible. What's your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with? Don't be scared to do what you think you need to do in life. And uh, if you have to jump out of that airplane, uh, go ahead and leap in on faith. All that's going to happen is you might get, you know, you might get injured. You may fail, but hey, if you look at my book, it's all about failure. There's tons of failures in my life, but overall, you know, you'll be a success and you can always look back and, and you do, you can do it again. There's creativity and ingenuity. And uh, I've failed a lot of things. I've screwed up a lot of things. And so uh, it's okay to just be vulnerable and jump out into the uh, open air. Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflornary.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.